Uh, these are your Oakland Raiders. They're losers. You're a loser. They're not getting the <laughs> seven wins. Not only did my Raiders get to seven wins, they have an outside shot at the playoffs. We'll get to it, but first, this is Swipe Right Sports. It is your sports pod hookup. I am your host, Bobby Adcock. We're going to talk about my Raiders, all the action in a loaded week 17 for the NFL First, we're going to jump into a quick preview of the Saturday playoff DK College Football DFS contest. It's a four-gamer. We're going to run through those games, and then we will jump on to week 17 in the NFL with the doctor. Let's stop wasting time. It begins now. And welcome in back for a second time to discuss CFB DFS implications. This time it's for Saturday's four-game contest. And of course, it's the, the big day, the big games with the two semifinals. And they start off with a couple of the more notable bowl games uh, in early afternoon as a little appetizer. So hopefully by now, this is just your CFB DFS home podcast. Uh, and this is where you go for your all the nuggets all the inside track and uh, nice info you want. So let's start with the first game. It is the Cotton Bowl. It's at the Jerry Dome. Memphis versus Penn State. Penn State's minus seven over under 60 and a half. The big takeaway I want to mention here is not just with KJ Hamler for Penn State, but in general, there is some really nice value at the wide receiver position for this board. Um, I think that's where you're going to get the guys with the, the highest floors, the highest upside guys in the right price. That little magical combination we're always trying to find uh, to where we don't have to spend a ton of money and we can secure some good production and also have that chance of a really big day. So let's just start mentioning the guys that I think are, again, huge values uh, for this board. KJ Hamler mentioned at 53, DeMonte Coxie at Memphis in this same game at 5,500. Uh, Cole Kmet, he's the tight end for Notre Dame. He's at 53. Deshante Jones at 52 for Iowa State at wide receiver. Terrace Marshall Jr., the LSU receiver who had, I believe, a couple touchdowns in that SEC title game. He's at 5,100. Got K.J. Hill for Ohio State at 5,100. And um, another guy in this game, too, I think is... Well, I'm going to talk about him when we get to the Memphis running backs, but... Um, yeah, those guys I just named uh, in general. And I'll add on another guy, Charleston Rambo, although he's a little bit more of a probably more touchdown-dependent guy at this point. But the guys I named before that, I mean, these are guys who they have volume, they have the role in the offense, they have relatively favorable matchups, and the price to really you know have a nice floor and, like I said, that big upside. So I think those are just really nice building block pieces to help your cap, uh, all that stuff. And so Hamler in this game, I think uh, he's someone I really like a lot at that price, like I mentioned. If we want to move on to the running back spots, so on both teams, just extremely difficult for Penn State and Memphis. On Memphis, what I alluded to earlier, what I wanted to talk about was Antonio Gibson 
the wide receiver, he's now getting, you know, eight to ten carries out of the backfield the way they're using him in the last couple of games. So he's cutting into some of Patrick Taylor Jr. and Kenneth Gainwell's workload. Again, for like real football purposes, it's probably awesome and gives them another entire dimension to their offense. But I think when you're talking, you know, this slate in fantasy, it's going to make it really difficult to invest in them. And it's just there. There's no real predictability to really anticipate when and where any of these guys are going to be used. So um, I'm just out on that running back situation for probably both sides. I think if I had to pick someone, it probably would be Gibson for Memphis just because of his usage as a wide receiver as well. So he has uh, more opportunity to get touches in both roles. And then if I had to pick one for Penn State, it'd be Journey Brown um, just because I think out of all their backs, he's had kind of the the most uh, higher upside games if, uh, among that their trio of backs. So, um, and, and it also his price point is uh, is you know forty nine hundred. I can kind of live with maybe missing out on a guy like that or not getting huge returns. So, um, those are my thoughts on that game. I'm gonna jump ahead to number two. It is the Camping World Bowl uh, in Orlando. I don't know these names are so great. <laughs> They're ridiculous. Um, just to mention this too, it's in Orlando. Could be a little bit of rain, but I don't think anything too uh, messy to kind of screw this up. So it is Notre Dame, Iowa State. Notre Dame is minus three and a half. The over under is 53 and a half. And the point I want to make about this, I want to bring up Brees Hall and talk about, hey, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. He's around like 7,100. The stud running back for LSU. All week long, like talked about being questionable. As of just recently, I think uh, Coach O's comment was, I think he'll play. Not sure how much. That's not great. Not for 7,100, it's not. So um, I think here, if, you, if you're asking me, I would go Brees Hall over someone like CEH uh, with that type of commentary from the coach. You just don't know and you don't, you can't, miss on a guy or have that kind of risk with a guy that costs that much money. And I do think Brees Hall, uh, just talking about the matchup here with Notre Dame, who has been really weak against better run teams uh, this season. That You can look at their game logs against uh, all kinds of different spots throughout their season where a lot of opposing running backs had really nice days against them. I've talked about this, I think, either for the gambling segment before or I don't know. But anyway... I have looked into this, and they have been uh, beat up by other running backs. So I would like Brees Hall a lot in this matchup. I think I'm going to have him in most of my lineups this day. And then another guy just to mention from a running back perspective in this game is Tony Jones Jr. If you're asking me, I think he's around five grand. i would much rather have him than any Memphis running back just because of what we talked about earlier with just the instability in the roles uh, for that offense right here, right now. Tony Jones Jr. has a much more, uh, much more just secure role where he's the workhorse in the offense. And also, this is a game, first game in a while for Notre Dame, where they're probably going to have a closer game where Jones Jr. is going to get a you know 18, 20 touch workload with some upside for more. Uh, seeing that it'll probably be a closer game than they've had of late. So uh, that's kind of my thoughts there at the running back position in this game. Nothing wrong with uh, the QBs either here, but. I think we can do better, which we'll get to later. Um, and then the rest of them, I think you know the guys for like Notre Dame, Chase Claypool, 
We all mentioned Cole Komet. Um, you know, no reason to, um, you know, shy away from them here. They're they're in good spots to be productive, as well as Deshante Jones for Iowa State. So let's move on to the third game. It's the Peach Bowl. This is in the Mercedes-Benz Dome, uh, where the Atlanta Falcons play. It is, of course, the first national semifinal game. It's LSU versus Oklahoma. LSU minus a huge 13.5-point spread, a huge total of 76. And I wanted to kind of talk about what I discussed. If you didn't listen to the last podcast, or at least the, the gambling segment, I talked about this matchup, and I kind of laid out this speculative play for the under where I am assuming, this is my own personal opinion and speculation, so that this is what that is, <laughs> take it for what it's worth, that Lincoln Riley's smart enough to understand that they have no chance of stopping these guys, especially when we've heard about all these key defensive players getting uh, suspended for Oklahoma in now between the end of the season in their bowl game. They're not going to stop them. No one can stop them, even the good defensive team. So. I had to think he's going to shift his offense to a much more ball control, power run with Kennedy Brooks and um, Jalen Hurts just doing a big share of the workload, kind of keeping it in third and shorts, nice conversions to CD Lamb, stuff like that, and just control the clock, win T.O.P., and keep it as close for as long as possible and just slow the game down. That is my theory. I, I think he's a, a smart coach that... He, you would just have to do that. It's your best chance to win the game. So I think it might try to take the air out of the ball and maybe kind of be a nice sneaky play for that under. And this may be a lower scoring game than I think maybe the total projects. That's kind of how I'm treating it. Um, that said, I, I don't think you can kind of work in a lot of Oklahoma players besides Kennedy Brooks and Jalen Hurts and CeeDee Lamb. Uh, they have some nice dart throw plays with Lee Morris at 3,500. He can always be good for maybe a bomb. But again, we also see what LSU does to these teams where I, I know they're capable offensively, but LSU blows everyone's doors off so quickly, so much that they just choke these teams out and, and it's their defense can just pin their ears back in because they know what the offense is trying to do now and just puts people in uncomfortable positions. So um, I think you just had that risk with LSU that we've talked about, with the game flow, all that stuff where – they just get ahead, and next thing you know, whoever they're playing becomes kind of uh, useless. And then also their team in the third quarter kind of becomes a little bit useless. So I I am going to play this game carefully. I don't think it means you fade uh, Chase or Justin Jefferson or like Terrence Marshall Jr., like I mentioned. I think you can comfortably play those guys. Um, you just have to be aware that if they aren't in on like the first half of scoring – of the touchdowns, which will probably come mostly in the first two quarters, it might be a miss for the day. And when these four-game contests, you just can't afford to miss on a, a big miss, I should say. Um, and you know that even almost as important as having the right players in a smaller board like this, it's almost as much or probably more important to just be involved in the right one game or one or two games, which is why I'm going to move on to the last game, which is the Fiesta Bowl. It's in the desert. We all know Clemson, Ohio State. Clemson minus two, over under 62 and a half. And this is what I want to lay out for Clemson. Kind of like I talked about on the last podcast for the gambling picks. 
over the course of the year, I've watched Ohio State a lot because I'm just in like Big Ten world. And um, they, they're a very good defense. They have a, tons of studs. Chase Young, we all know. Um, but at different times when they played the more, eh, I would say, slightly above average competent offenses in the Big Ten, those offenses were able to move the ball for longer stretches on that defense in those games. So I kind of look at this and say, if even those types of offenses, like a Penn State with Sean Clifford or Michigan with Shea Patterson um, and then Wisconsin with Jack Cohn, can kind of do a little bit of damage against this defense uh, through the air and gain kind of chunk plays consistently, you know what? I, I think the thing I can rely on the most in this slate is that Clemson is going to be able to move the ball and put up points um, very well against in this game against the defense. And I think that the over-under tells you it all, right? It's the second highest total uh, of the day. And it doesn't take anything away from the Ohio State defense. I just, I think I'm comfortable and confident with the fact that this will be by far, by far, 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 the best quarterback they've faced. Um, the best collection of talent around that said quarterback. So, um, yeah, I really am all in on Clemson here. And the nice thing about it's not just the, the matchup that I like or the fact they can move the ball. It's, it's also that their prices are way dumbed down. And I think um, why I love this game so much, too, is the receivers, right? Justin Ross, T. Higgins, both uh, 57, 5,600. Uh, and even like a guy in for Ohio State, Chris Olave at 5,500. Um, I I love this game with these prices. And again, as I was saying with uh, the quarterbacks for Notre Dame with Ian Book and Brock Purdy for Iowa State, decent prices, don't get me wrong, and fine plays, but Trevor Lawrence, a little bit cheaper, I love him here. Um, I, he's He'll be my quarterback for every lineup so i'm as you can tell if you haven't figured that out yet clemson is the way i'm going for this contest uh, i just think they have the right upside and price combo kind of almost like lsu upside without their prices so um and also the much much better projection right probably not a, as big of a risk to just game to be all whacked out in the third quarter where you know they're trying to kill the clock and all that stuff so um yeah, also some dart throws for uh, this game that I think are some of the best dart throws in the contest. Garrett Wilson and Austin Mack on the Ohio State side. And then um, at receiver, that is. And then also at receiver on the Clemson side, DeAndre Overton has been consistently getting, you know, one, two uh, passes a game. or And, and usually they're, uh, you know, around 15, 20-yard catches. So uh, he's good for a dart throw, as well as Amari Rogers is always a guy, I think, in a game that is maybe a little bit closer where ball control you know in the second half might become an issue amari rogers is a really nice possession receiver for them that they'll try to get the ball into space and pick up you know five six yards here and there so uh he's he's very cheap i think around 4200 a nice uh, building block piece as well so that those are my thoughts for this board um i'm all clemson I'm, I'm going to have uh, Etienne and Lawrence probably in every lineup. Probably one or both of those receivers that I mentioned for Clemson. with As well as with guys like Olave, K.J. Hill, uh, you know, Hamler, like I mentioned earlier. Like, there's That's where the best value is on the board at receiver for sure. So 
Um, there it is. Either way, this should be an outstanding game. I'm very much looking forward to it, regardless of gambling fantasy. This is just a unbelievable matchup. Something we've all been waiting for all year long for your college football fans. So, uh, very excited. Good luck to everyone playing. And now we're going to switch to week 17 against the spread picks with the doctor. Stick around, see if you can get to 500 for the year and see if I can just uh, not be awful. That begins now. It is the final week of the regular season in the NFL, week 17. As always, uh, I am joined by the doctor to go through the entire board of games and uh, what a board we have this week. Doctor, how are you? Well, similar to last night, Bob, I'm, uh, I'm still still fighting off a, a little cold, but uh, as I did last night, you know, I grind through. That's, that's what I do. Yeah, we're here, we're here for the second time uh, this week, <laughs> a little special. And, uh, and like you said, you know, it's holiday week, we're all uh, working hard and you're working through Working through uh, some uh, being under the weather to uh, put forth the effort to get back possibly to 500. We'll see. Uh, it's got kind of an uphill battle, I think, after last week, but uh, it's still possible. So let's talk records um, in the Power Five. I went two and three last week. I think I got a little too cute with the Chiefs, possibly. Uh, that just didn't really. Or the Bears, I should say, didn't, didn't really work going against the Chiefs there. Uh, you kind of, I think that was one of the first quarter we just knew eh, it's yep. probably not going to work. This, not going to work this time. So yep. um, that puts me uh, through 16 weeks at 32, 46, and two on the year in the Power Five. Um, just uh, disaster. And then um, overall, last week I was eight, seven, and one, uh, bringing my overall record to 103, 116, and seven on the year. Doctor, last week you were two, two, and one in the Power Five. Bringing you to 36, 39, and 5 on the year. You need to go 4 and 1 this week to get to 500 or 5 and 0 for a winning record. How do you feel about that? Very doable. The fact that I, I don't, I think I've only had uh, maybe two 4 and 1s, then I'm just due. I'm due for it. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I did look back and there's at least like maybe I think I saw three, four win weeks. Three. So, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. And then uh, 7, 8, and 1. Overall, it was so promising after Saturday. You were two zero and one, and then um, right. kind of kind of a rough rough Sunday. Oh, so overall, one hundred six, one thirteen, and seven on the season. Five hundred is possible, but it would be um, quite the week if it if it were to occur. So let, let's talk yeah. overall. Let's talk overall trends uh, for the NFL. Favorites last week were seven seven and one, bringing their overall record to one hundred one one thirty and seven on the season. Home road splits. Home teams were seven, eight, and one last year against the spread, bringing their overall record to 99, 131, and seven on the season. So they kind of been mirroring each other a little bit um, over the years as uh, underdogs and road teams against the spread has been the trend for 2019. Uh, and then that brings to home favorites. They were four and five last week, bringing their overall record to 55, 90, and five on the year. Home underdogs were two, three, and one last week, bringing their overall record to 39, 43, two on the season. And then substantial favorites, which we consider to be as seven or greater, were four and two against the spread, bringing their overall record to 28, 34, and two on the season. And then uh, outright losses of substantial favorites. There were two last week, one from Seattle. Uh, it was kind of kind of surprising. I mean, I think we thought 
we saw, we, I think we saw maybe a coverage there from Arizona, but that loss is kind of troubling. Yes, no? Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, Chargers, which we're going to talk about as well. They, they were a seven-point favorite somehow, and they lost that way <laughs> as well. So uh, bringing that total number to uh, 14 outright losers on the season that were favored by seven or greater. Uh, this week, 16 games. We have six home favorites, nine home underdogs, and one pick, which is uh, our man, Jameis, is the pick game, which is great. So, and uh, then five games, five substantial favorites of seven or greater. And I think taking a look at this board, Doctor, it's kind of, um, you know, last we talked about, you know, kind of trying to speculate on what teams are kind of still holding together professionally and, you know, playing to win even though their seasons were over. And this is kind of a similar kind of motivation week and Huge. kind of a, yeah, kind of a, a, a you know the NCNS. Who's doing the no call no show week? Who's just yeah. who's 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 going on vacation? Who's thinking about next week? So a lot and of games. It, yeah, go ahead, you know, Bob. Just to build on that, I, I don't have numbers in front of me, but I, I think it'd be really interesting to see how like the variation in the results versus the spreads. Because I think this is a very tough week for betters. I also think it's a tough week for Vegas because um, there's a lot of that go, that goes into that. Like what. You know, how long is uh, McDermott going to keep his starters in or O'Brien? Are they going to play at all? And I think they have to even do some guessing on this, you know, right up until the end and then even in-game, I think, you know, second half lines would change a lot. So, you know, there's a lot of guesswork going into this week. Yeah, and all, there always is, but it's a different kind, of course. No, right. I, I think we talked about these last, you know, especially last week and when it starts, when teams are officially eliminated, you know, and all that stuff, and it's just kind of over. It is just you are literally – there's a couple games this week where you're actually going to – you're speculating which team's backups are better. I mean, that's right. what you're doing. So um, let's let's start with kind of one of these. It is uh, the Jets. They're at Buffalo. Buffalo is minus one and a half. Buffalo, uh, like you mentioned, they are at some point look to be resting players. They, have, they are locked into the fifth seed in the AFC. Um, there really is no point for them to – Winning, losing this game doesn't matter. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll just let you kind of give your thoughts on this scenario. What, where are you coming out with pick? Yeah, you, you set it up, and I think the line reflects the fact that you know, McDermott is going to um, make some substitutions at some point. You know, it being Buffalo at home only one and a half, so that's kind of already built in there. Um, he he hinted at uh, Barkley coming in to play quarterback, so we'll get a little. Uh, Trojan matchup here with Darnold uh, D. Barkley for a little bit. Um, I'm not looking for Buffalo to take this game too seriously. So right out of the gate, I think that we're addressing uh, some level of second team and backup players playing. I think any time in the NFL, for the most part, I would take a first string team over a second string team. And frankly, the Jets have been pretty good lately. In the last seven games, they're 5-2, yes. and two, including a pretty good win over the Steelers last week. I know Duck threw four picks, but whatever, that Steelers team had been, been pretty good. Um, you know, So from a kind of a motivational purpose, I think it's there for the Jets, and then also from, uh, you know, from a betting position, uh, road divisional dogs this season are 27-17 and 17 against the spread. That's a 60, 61% win rate, so there's some value there. So I'm going to go I'm going to go with the Jets here, plus one and a half. Okay, I am with you, and you kind of hit on it. Um, Jets have won five in the last seven. And if you just look at their record as Darnold, as the full-time starter, they're actually six and six overall. 
So um, it's it's really they're you know more of a 500 team I think than like the six and ten team they might end up being or whatever. So um, I I will be with the Jets too. I also want to just mention that um, you know McDermott already kind of he's talking about you know how he's going to play guys, what he's going to do as well. We're going to try to be smart about it, but he's already he was very very coy, but mentioned like well. I expect the officials to do their job, and uh, you know, I, I, I they have a job to do. And kind of, kind of, they, he kept saying things about Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator, and his uh, reputation, and then just mm-hmm. kind of back backing off it. So I think he's already kind of rubbing up and buttering up these officials to like, all right, hey guys, watch these guys. And then you know, you got Jamal Adams coming out saying, yeah, man, we hope the players stars. We're going after these guys. So I was like, this is this is going to be uh, it's going to be well there. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. So uh, I just wanted to mention that. So I, I, we're both in the Jets uh, plus the one and a half. I agree that uh, they look to be on the you know they're going to be motivated. They're going to want to win this game. So all right, that brings us to an, another matchup like this. You have Cleveland in the Cincinnati, the Battle of Ohio. Uh, Cleveland is at Cincinnati minus three. They're six and nine on the year, and uh, Cincy is one and fourteen. They are locked into the number one overall pick after that amazing uh, electric finish last week with Miami in overtime. So uh, I'll let you start this one off and give me your thoughts on this awesome matchup. Yeah, you know Cincinnati has the number one pick locked up, so. They don't really need to tank anymore if they were. Um, Cleveland's out of playoff contention as of last week, so it's a, it's a nothing burger game. Public is hammering Cleveland. Uh, 75% of the plays are on them. Um, but the line has actually moved in some places to 2.5. Cleveland only minus 2.5. So the Sharps are putting plays on Cincinnati. We got a little bit of a reverse line trend going here. Uh, so sometimes, sometimes you like to stick with the Sharps. I just can't do it with Cincinnati. I, I, I can't. Like, there's something about Baker's attitude that if they do kind of get out and, and get feeling good, that I feel like he'll run it up. He'll try to get some swag back. I think he's just one of those guys that in any competitive environment, they get something going. Like they'll they'll keep it going. So I, I'm gonna count on that happening in this game for for whatever reason, uh, from a football perspective. And then. On the betting side, uh, Cleveland is 10-3-2 ATS. Um, their last 15 games on the road against teams rushing defense that yield more than 4.4 yards per carry. Cincinnati's given up 4.8. Cincinnati is 1-6 against the spread in their last seven games after playing Miami. There you go. I'm going to go Cleveland minus three. <laughs> uh, that's that's some great. Uh, well, great. You got to dig deep. You got to Gotta dig deep as as we always do. Um, you know, I was I was reading. I like to kind of read all these previews and you know get little anecdotes. It just kind of makes me laugh sometimes. But um, there was a lot of talk about this being like Dalton's last game in Cincinnati and how he's bring, brought the franchise so many great moments and all this stuff. And it's kind of the end of an era um, here for for this. Pro- probably not gonna be back. That's a speculation. Um, even though he's one year left on his deal. Because they're going to be moving, you know, with with Burrow more than likely. Then uh, AJ Green probably not coming back. You know, it's just kind of a, a full on rebuild heading towards. So um, I'm kind of on the side of this Dalton finale, this little Dalton's last stand. Yeah, that's Bob. Kind of- it's the end of an era. It's the end of a losing era. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like these are winners trying to go out and win. They're losers. 
They just turn in some brutal performance. And these, this is the group, I feel like, especially after last week again, you got, it's two weeks in a row. You have one of your, you know, face of the franchise, star offensive players, chewing your coach's ass on the sidelines. I mean, it, it's literally, like, in front of everybody. I, I, I don't understand how this is, any of it's acceptable. This team looks ready to implode. They look ready to just be out of, uh, out of the season to be over. So, uh, I think uh, I think Dalton will try to. He, they're motivated. They, they want this. So uh, I'm taking Cincy plus three points there. And wow. uh, who who cares anyway? Terrible game. Right. Um, as is this next one. It is Green Bay Packers um, coming off their Monday night win over Kirk. They are heading to our Detroit Lions, uh, who is three eleven and one on the year. Green Bay minus a, a substantial 12 and a half. Doctor, how are we feeling about Green Bay Detroit? Remember the Lions were 2-1-1, one, and one, and everybody's like, oh my gosh, this team is making the playoffs. This is a playoff team. They're going to do it. Get MVP at quarterback. Yeah, gosh, what a, what a, couple, what a few months. Uh, look, so, so Green, Bay, Green Bay does need to win this game, right? There, there are still some yes. home field implications and buy implications that they – they have to win so um they're playing for something the lions still don't really have much right it's not again i said this last week but there's not like their pieces are out there that they're trying to build around especially the quarterback position so um you know it's just a matter of time i still see them doing anything positive in this game so i'm i'm on green bay uh you know minus 12.5 uh, green bay is 10 and 5 ats this year the lions are 5 and 10 ats um you know, Green Bay is 7-0 ATS in the last seven games versus opponents on a losing streak of four or more games. So we'll bring that into play here just to further support. The Packers um, closing this out, like I said months ago, uh, the NFC Championship, they'll be in that game, and there's a chance it could go through Green Bay. So you, you, know, you know, I might actually, after watching Monday night, I was really Ooh. impressed with... Uh, Kind of seeing Kenny Clark and Zadarius Smith on that defensive front, I, I was kind of starting to buy into this pack team a little bit more. Um, as all right, maybe there's enough. Maybe there's enough just outside of Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and Aaron Jones. Maybe, maybe this defense. Because if you looked at that game and watched, the one thing I thought was the Packers offensively could not have been any worse in the first half. You know, that they turned the ball over three times inside their own territory and that's a game where okay it's like hey you know what uh we we don't got it tonight's not our night that's it you know and you right. usually lose, usually lose those games and usually especially if if ar12 comes out and doesn't play that great like himself for a couple quarters those are games they usually don't hold up in and that defense and cesarius smith especially as leading them they kept them in it and they said no we can we'll, we're gonna keep you in it we're gonna keep you in it a while and then we'll do our job and that's kind of that's where I look at. It. Okay, this is kind of a team now. This is kind of uh, not just this you know core group of offensive players 
holding this whole thing together. But they have to rely on to be, you know, great every week to win games. So um, I might be buying into this Green Bay team a little bit more. We'll see. But this is a week, Doctor, where um, it's a short week for them. They pretty much know at any time they can take control and win the game. They can, they can not play for an entire two quarters, and it wouldn't matter. Um, and I have a couple games like this this week where I just think they're going to show up disinterested and maybe uh, not really, you know, kind of go through the motions for maybe a couple quarters. And then the third quarter, they'll rattle off, you know, 17 straight points and take control of the game. But uh, I think by that time, Detroit will have done enough damage to cover the third or sorry, 12 and a half. So Re- repeat that. Detroit will have done enough damage. Will. That's yeah. what you just said. When, when has Detroit done any damage in the past couple of months? Well, they they were just about to cover against Denver last week. I mean, just they, oh, they were just about to cover. Yeah, they were about right. to cover. Yeah, right. That's, that's so cool. Oh, just, yeah, they, but they did it. But they did it. They didn't do I, any damage. I understand, but it wasn't like you were sitting there and it was a laugher. There was there was one. They were one play away. They were covering most majority of the game. That was a laugher. It was not a laugher. So Denver took the lead. It was a laugher. Okay, I know. They didn't take the lead till into the fourth quarter. That's all I'm saying. So, okay. Hey, look, you got to take your angles. Leave me alone. Uh, so, I'm taking Detroit plus 12 and a half. I think, I think Green Bay is not going to take this serious at all. They're, they're coming off a very big win, and this is just kind of a, you know, it's, a, it's like a bye week for them, right? This is like they're going to be like, oh, let's just, you know, let's get healthy. Yeah, so, so you, I, the flip side of that is they're like, look, we do need to win this game. Let's just go out. Play the first half, get out early, and then forget about it. So if you want to give me a backdoor cover story, I might buy into that. But uh, I can't buy into this them being disinterested when they know they got to get the win. Hey, I can speculate the way I want to. All right, you do what you want to. All right, all right. let's get out of this stupid game. It's the worst game ever. <laughs> True. And go to uh, Arrowhead. Stupid game. Yeah, it, it, it is. Stupid game. It is stupid. Uh, it is Arrowhead. Kansas City, 11-4. They also need to win. Uh, they are minus nine points to the L.A. Chargers who dropped that uh, final, I guess you want to call it home game, to uh, <laughs> or final home game for, uh, I guess, that stadium and for possibly Phillip Rivers as a Charger. They're 5-10, and ten, and I'll let, you, uh, I'll let you lay out where you're at. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what a what a disaster the story's been for the Chargers. I mean, losing five of the last six in a couple of them just in really bad fashion. KC's been hot. Um, you know, they still uh, they need to win this game in case New England slips up. They can improve their spot. Unlikely, but they're still going to be playing to win it. Eighty um, percent of the actions on Kansas City. It's pushed the line up. It started opening at seven, pushed it up to nine. Um, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go against the the public here. I'm gonna go with the Chargers plus the nine. Um, road dogs off a loss this year are 45 and 27 against the spread. That's a 62% win rate. Um, also, the Chargers are 16 five and one against the spread in the last five years on the road when um, kind of a revenge loss game. So that's been. Phil Rivers uh, leading the way there to get revenge on teams. Um, also, Kansas City is 0-7 against the spread at home on winning streaks of five or more games. 
So it's friends there leading towards Chargers, plus nine. I can't believe I'm doing that, especially how bad it was last week for them, but I'm doing it. Uh, okay, I am also doing it because this is this is Phil Rivers' last stand. Um, and as probably a Charger, uh, I think he'll still be in the NFL, but uh, they're, they're kind of due to kind of have some at least competitive performance here. The thing is with this team, what's weird, they were 12-4 and four last year with like the same roster. I know that I know they've had injuries, but they had injuries last year as well. And it's just been one of like the much more disappointing teams this year. So um, they have a lot of talent. Also, this did you know that they haven't won a divisional game this year? I did, I did not know that. That's really hard to do. Um, <laughs> just just to kind of put perspective, the only other teams who haven't won a divisional game are the Bengals, the Redskins, and guess the other team. I think you might know. The Lions. The Lions, of course. <laughs> Part of every ridiculous stat. They always are. All right. So, uh, but yeah, I haven't won a divisional game. I saw this. I went, oh my gosh, terrible. Uh, so yeah, the other part of this dynamic is, so the only thing that can help the Chiefs get possibly a second round by where they can move up from their current position is the Patriots um, losing outright to Miami, which I think they're almost positive. They're both one o'clock games. Yes, they are. So um, I think there is a, a possibility where the Patriots are up by, you know, a certain amount at halftime or maybe early in the third. No, then. And the Chiefs start pulling guys. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't surprise me. So I, I think you need to at least consider that. Uh, and um, so, yeah, I, I'm going to be on the Chargers with the nine points right here. Before we get out of this game, I just want to kind of talk about, you know, we got cute a little bit with the Bears last week and Obviously, uh, that was not the right side to be on, and you could tell very quickly how bad it was. But um, the Chiefs D, though, again, you know, I know it was Trubisky, but still, they're doing what you do against bad teams. They're they're beating them very badly, and their their defense has really held up nicely. So, um, it's it's kind of made them another th- another team where I look like like Green Bay. I mentioned, you know, maybe there's a little more rounding and shape behind this offense here. Um, I looked at Super Bowl odds today, Doctor. Ooh, first first is Baltimore at two and a quarter to one. Niners are second at four and a half to one. Saints five to one. The KC and Pats are behind them tied. They're both eight to one. And Green Bay is at ten to one. What would you rather have right here, right now, if you picked one? What do you think the better action is? KC at eight to one or Green Bay at ten to one? Green Bay at ten to one. I think they're more likely to get to the Super Bowl than KC. Okay, I, I but I, I really right now, um, I, I may possibly have already bet those both day. Who knows? I don't know. But, I, I, I yeah, and I you know I, yeah, I know you're down in New England, but I like New England, KC, and Green Bay. I think those are pretty good odds on all three of those teams. Yeah, and I may have put in a bet for Green Bay and Kansas City to face each other. Maybe I don't know. So um, those odds are pretty good as well. So anyway, I just wanted to. I thought that was interesting. I kind of looked at it today and went, you know what? There's some. I think there's some nice value. I'm like, yeah, Patriots. KC and Green Bay, all at eight or ten to one. I think some nice value there. So, uh, okay, let's get to the next one. We got some more resting starters here. It's the Bears. They're at Minnesota. The Bears are minus three. Um, I, I read a little bit about this today, and it sounds like, um, you know, the Vikings are resting starters for obvious reasons. I don't think they can really move out of their position. So, I think you're looking at. Cook not playing, Cousins not playing, and 
my question to you is Trubisky or Sean Mannion? I don't know who Sean Mannion is. I have to Google. I got to be honest. I don't know who he is. He's the backup quarterback. For well, no, I, I know. I, I get that. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know where he played. I don't know anything uh, about So he, he was an Oregon State uh, quarterback. He's been, I think he, he was actually a third round draft pick. I forget by who, but he was drafted relatively high. He, he was a pretty solid college quarterback. Um, I don't know if he's got like a, a decent shot to start anywhere. Maybe I think it was the Rams. I want to say the Rams drafted him. So um, anyway, he is the backup there for Minnesota. Looks like he'll be starting. Also, on the other side, I just want to mention Matt Nagy was kind of talking about, well, we're going to like play. A lot of guys are banged up on the Bears. And he's like, we're going to play guys who are healthy, but we're going to be smart about it. And if there's guys who we want to kind of, you know, look at and evaluate and we want to, you know, give them an opportunity, we're going to give them a look. Like, we, you're, you're kind of almost, it's like backups versus backups in a lot, for both teams in a way, even though the Bears, you know, don't have anything to play for as well. They're kind of looking to maybe uh, get a look at some of their second string guys. So, and we already know Trubisky basically is a second string guy. So, ooh, ooh, so y- y- you are betting on. Um, yeah, this is a game where which second units you're guessing which second units are going to be better. So, I don't know. Have you studied the the second uh, units for Minnesota? I, I I haven't. Uh, <laughs> but my my assumption here is they'll be. Even based on what you said there, there's still be more first stringers for Chicago out there than there will be for Minnesota. There so, are, but there's a lot of injuries to keep players for Chicago, especially on yeah, that's, that, that's fair. Um, but where there's a starter that's healthy, they're going to play a starter, right? I think yes. Minnesota, you know, Minnesota's pulling out healthy guys. So for that reason, I'm, I'm going to go with with Chicago because I think it's it's going to be a step above and tail on their side of the ball. It's out there the majority of the time but like you said i mean who knows what's gonna happen it could, it could be 13 versus 13 out there with all said done. yeah i know and uh i i i agree if you're if you're really having a strong opinion on here you're you're insane so, so um i i'm gonna go uh minnesota though however i just think um this is again this is a personal speculation thing i think if you're kind of looking at you know motivation and kind of guessing who's kind of a little bit more together um, that, that performance by Chicago on Sunday night is just another like reminder. I think this team is just—they're uh, just not together. Um, it, was, it, was, it was horrible, and and they, they're, it's not like they're like you know they're not like playing for each other. And I think um, you know they're on the road. They're probably going to be oh no, Slovis. Um, sorry, that was I'm distracted by. He almost threw a really bad pick, but um, he did not. So uh, anyway, sorry, distracted by the USC bowl game. Um, anyway, what I was saying was that. I hey, think. why are you more distracted by that one tonight versus maybe other nights? Uh, because I usually don't watch the TV when we're talking. No, it was more of a joke. You probably usually don't have money on the Thursday night football game. Oh, that's you have money true. On the, on the bowl game tonight. That's where I was going with that. That's true. Yes, yes. yes. There's uh, there, yes. there's some there's some things in play. There's a lot of things some in play. Other right now. That's right. There's some other things in play right now. So, um, I, again, again, generally generally speaking, I think that uh, Minnesota is a little more. Um, just together as far as the locker room goes at this point right here right now they're in a better place i think uh their backups will win the day versus whoever chicago has on the field <laughs> so, so i'm going uh yeah I'm, I'm going the vikings um plus the three points let's just move on here quickly to new england at home against miami they're 12 and three uh they still technically need this win for uh 
seeding and, and home field, those things. So they're minus 16 to the Dolphins, who are 4 and 11. Doctor, I think I know where you typically Yeah, come yeah, yeah, that's right. yeah. yeah. We, don't need, we don't need to say much of this one. And actually, yeah. though, like, I do think this is. You know, this line is is more inflated um, relative to some of the other ones. Like so, Green Bay is twelve and a half. We'll get to we'll get to New Orleans, which is which is thirteen, um, and then you know, Dallas eleven, which I don't understand. That. We'll talk about that. But this one's a little higher than those other two, which I would think are very comparable. Um, which actually pulls me more towards the New England side that they're still uh, obviously so they're still going to win this game. They're still. Working through some offensive things where I think Belichick will take advantage of this for as long as he can to keep getting some reps and try some different things for the playoffs. So I think they will um, they will run this up and cover a couple ATS uh, numbers to support that. Uh, in the last 50 games, <laughs> New England, it goes back to it goes back to Brady. In the last 50 games. Um, when uh, <laughs> New England's thirty-seven, fifty-five zero, five zero. New England is thirty-seven, twelve and one. When facing teams that have rushing averages for less than three point six yards per carry, Miami has three point <laughs> three yards per carry. So there you <laughs> go. That's a, big That's a big who, who That's is big tracking end. these stats? <laughs> Doctor is Miami is zero and seven against the spread on the road versus New England in the last seven games too. So. There you go. Doing on my 16. All right, um, I, I'm with you. And I, the one of the reasons I, I, I like these divisional matchups because there's just enough there's enough history there, and especially I think when whether it's like New Orleans and Breeze or Matt Ryan with Atlanta, like you know you just have enough starts against each other with right. you know decade. You can kind of you kind of see a little bit of trends, and it's great looking at these AFC East trends because they're all hysterical. Like last week we talked about <laughs> Buff. We talked okay. about Buffalo. Brady's never lost a home right. start to Buffalo. Never done it. Uh, he had 15. Well, he has 16 home starts in his career to Miami. Guess how many he's lost? None. Zero. And uh, the average margin of victory is actually 16.4 points in those games. Ooh. 12 of all of the 16 wins have been by double digits. Five of the last seven by 18 or more. I don't know about you, but this Fire. looks like... This looks like a game that profiles as one of those games as well, and that to drop in the little bucket. So, um, yeah, I like I'm going to take, nice. take New England minus 16 points here, and we'll move on to, uh, you know, I think one of our favorites, everyone's favorite, it is uh, Jameis Winston. They're at home. A.K.A. Crab Legs. Come on. Crab Legs. Give me crab Legs. <laughs> crab Legs. Uh, he's, uh, they're at home to finish their season at 7-8. and eight. They're up. Pick them. Which is perfect way for them to finish uh, a, a pick for James. Pick them, pick them. Uh, there against Atlanta. Atlanta six and nine. And do we want to just talk about that electric game from James last year on Saturday in front of the whole country? Just the only game on TV. It was perfect. <laughs> it's just James being James. The way he does. It, I mean, from start it, the way it started and ended, just classic. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was that was great for everyone to see. And uh, it's right here. And touchdown Slovis. All right. So anyway, um, <laughs> this game right here, <laughs> we got we got Dan Quinn and Dimitrov, the, the GM. They are back. 2020. Um, they're back. 2020. Put them on the ticket. Yeah. They, they talked about um, uh, the owner. Uh, I forget his, what, Art. What's his name? Art. Blank. 
the other, other blanks. blanks. Other blank, yeah. I was always in the three-piece suits on the sideline. All right, so um, yeah, he talked about kind of you know their their recent record and their uh, I think five and two in the last seven and just kind of turning the season around and he's given another year. How do you yeah, think? It, what would you think about that? Well, here's here's the thing, but I think it says something um, as an NFL coach when they're one, they're one and eight, right after after week ten, right? And they've actually played some good football, uh, uh, you know, winning five of the last seven. I think that says something for Quinn. I think it says something. You you talk about professionalism a lot too, and you've been bringing it up the last three or four weeks. I, I think it says something there where although the beginning of the year was called a free fall for them, it was. Um, they battled back. They showed some things, and, and then his past. You know, they played in the Super Bowl. They played in some other playoff games. So he he can uh, you know, get them to significant games late in the year. And I think this is, although it ends up being a bad season for them, the second half should you know give blank maybe a little uh, confidence in their ability to keep the organization together and maintain stability. Um, you know, moving forward. So I'm okay with it. Yeah, I, I no, I, I am too. I mean, they, even after the Super Bowl, they went back to the playoffs, got to the uh, divisional round, one play away from really uh, going back to the NFC title game. So uh, they, they finished the last play on an incompletion to Julio Jones in the end zone. So uh, I, I I really like them coming into the year. I was one of the teams I was on. They just whatever they got off that start, and I, it's kind of inexplicable in a way because not only were they losing, they were losing really badly. So yeah. Um, it's kind of. I still don't know. I'm waiting for the thirty for thirty to come out about that. It doesn't make any sense. But um, they did turn it around. They are six and two against the spread in their last eight as well. Kind of one of the hotter uh, ATS teams, and they've been playing quality football as you mentioned. And kind of I, this is. I'll make a hey. I'll make a comp that we made in our bull gambling uh, portion last uh, episode. Kind of the Clay Helton comparison. Yeah, where where these? Hey, they make they're they're making the announcement. This guy's coming back. He has obviously the support and the confidence of the players. They're they're playing hard for him. He's got them motivated uh, this late in the season. So, um, yeah, I, I I think what I'm saying is I'm going with Atlanta. Okay, <laughs> what, all right. What's take? What's take? So, look, this is going to be a fun one to to watch, even though it doesn't mean anything. I, James right now is, is must must watch TV anyway. I think we know that. But I, like, if it wasn't Jameis and just a quarterback, I would put up numbers. Both these teams are um, awesome throwing the ball, and both have terrible pass defense. So uh, it's gonna it's gonna be a fun one to watch, um, and it definitely is a coin toss at this point. Um, I give credit to Atlanta for keeping it together at the end of the year, and Jameis they've won five of seven too. Don't forget that. Yep. Crab needs five TDs to catch Lamar. Uh, for season leader in touchdown passes, so then he can lead the league in TDs and interceptions, <laughs> just like Drew Brees did in 2012, uh, Super Bowl MVP and champion Drew Brees. I need it from Jameis, but when he goes on to win the Super Bowl, he'll also have that in common with with Drew Brees. So for those reasons, I'm, I'm taking Tampa because I need five TDs out of Crab Legs this weekend. Uh, you know what? There are so many stats uh, that he is like breaking records or like like oh, on pace. yards of back-to-back games, right? Like, right? Nobody done that. Is that right? Uh, he, oh yeah, they're, they're, but there's and there all the stats he's getting to, whether they're bad or good, they're like with the all-time greats for good. Like they, 
from a yard standpoint, I think it was, I think it was the 5,000 yard mark. Um, like only like Peyton Manning, Breeze, Tom Brady has done it. Like James, he's joined, he's joining the uh, the group. So it's it's incredible. It really is, and uh, he needs to be. He needs to be a starting quarterback somewhere in the, in the league next year. So, um, all right, let's go to uh, Carolina now. The other NFC South uh, divisional matchup here. Carolina is five and ten. They're at home against the Saints, who are twelve and three. Also, kind of needing to win for uh, potential seeding. They have a legit scenario where if the Niners were to lose and they win, um, they would. I think capture a first round buy. So that's not a that's not a uh, you know crazy scenario that could very well happen. The Saints are minus thirteen. This is kind of similar to that Packers uh, Lions matchup in kind of that context. So before we get to the game, uh, is Antonio Bryant back? Yeah, I saw, I saw that um, <laughs> Antonio Brown. You mean right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brown, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Whatever. <laughs> I, I knew you meant. I just wanted to clarify for me else, but. Um, yeah, I guess he's, I mean, he's kind of back, right? He worked out, and yep. um, they're just waiting for clarity from the NFL on the situation. Um, I, I'm guessing the NFL will either not be very clear or take their time to provide the appropriate amount of clarity for them to make a decision. So uh, we'll see how it turns out. I, I don't think it's likely he's going to end up on the, on the squad this year. Wouldn't that be wild if he just showed up? like be awesome. Yeah, it would, it would be crazy. Uh, so, uh, all right. Uh, hey, Michael Thomas and Antonio Brown. Yep. Yeah, have, have fun. Have fun, fun yeah. guys. Um, <laughs> all right. So, uh, all right. Look, I'm just going to say that I'm going to – I, I picked kind of two games. The Packers was the first one. The Saints is another one. The Saints have come off, you know, some – they had that Niners game, the Monday Nighter against the Colts, another kind of big, you know – Big time situation against Tennessee last week. It's tough to get up for all these games. I know they need to win it, but I think they know this is a game where they can kind of play, you know, one quarter and maybe win this game. They can almost screw around if they want for an entire half and still win this game whenever they want. They're probably going to treat it like a bye week, you know, get healthy, you know, guys, you know, and stuff like that. Just whatever. So I'm, I'm actually going to take Carolina in the 13 points. They have that motivation for CMC to get all his records. So I hey, think Bob, gonna... you, you know, you know, it's tough to get up for a game. I don't know. You, you know, you, you know, it's tough when you're five when, and 10, your season, <laughs> yeah, when your season's over and you're thinking about your team time and you've lost seven straight by an average of 14 points. No, that's when it's hard to, that's when it's hard to get up for a game. No, they want to get hard. CMC the record. So they're, no, they're playing Bob, for him. Fantasy season's over. So you don't need CMC anymore. Okay. <laughs> I don't, no. they do. I don't, they yeah, do. They don't, they don't either. Nobody's, they're not getting up for this game. If they are up for it, New Orleans <laughs> needs to win. Like you said, there's a, there's a very realistic scenario where they get the two seed and, and get the buy. So they're going to come out and they're going to put it on them early. And then, uh, the guys on the Carolina sideline are going to start talking about tea times, probably women, maybe gambling, maybe <laughs> their vacation, everything not football. Uh, and we know Drew Brees is going to be on the sideline talking football. So uh, if you can't tell, I'm completely against your Carolina <laughs> and I'm all over New Orleans. And oh, by the way, I've got a couple of ATS stats for you here just to add on. Sure. New Orleans is 8-2 and two in the last 10 against the spread on the road. And facing a quarterback with five or less career starts, 
good start to the okay. in Carolina. Carolina, 0-4-1 against the spread this season at home during com- for conference games. Oh, boy. That's so, not good. Saints, 13-0. You want to change your mind after what I just said? Well, no, I don't. But what I do want to do is I think what this week really is, though, because, look, these, none of these teams are going to lose. Like, Green Bay's not losing. New Orleans isn't losing. Covering 13, who knows? It can kind of go right. a million different ways. But um, it might need to be three-team teaser week. There's yes. just, there's too yes. many there's too <laughs> many good ones. I mean, like, so let's just talk about this one. Uh, so uh, I got it. <laughs> Saints minus 13, Green Bay minus 2.5, and Dallas minus 1. Is that something you might be interested in? I, I don't know if I'm interested in Dallas minus 1, but I would be interested in New England minus uh, 6. 6? Six? Six? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So th- this should be uh, three teams break. All right, let's get to the next game. It's Dallas <laughs> at home coming off just uh, uh, unacceptable embarrassing You can, you can say it. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, you could lose. And I think when I was watching, so we're talking about this loss at Philly last week with basically their entire season on the line, uh, biggest game they're playing in. And I, Troy Aikman, I think, said a best on the Broncos as well. You know, he got this high-powered offense, and uh, you don't score a touchdown. Like that's yeah. that, that's it, right? It's just like you, you didn't score a touchdown, well, right? And then there was, uh, yeah, Zeke only had I don't know what it was like thirteen carries or something like that. Very reminiscent of that Michigan State game when uh, Ohio State played Michigan State was at Ohio State and Irv only gave the ball like ten times to Zeke and Michigan State took him down on that last second field goal, which was awesome. Um, but also, <laughs> but then then Amari Cooper was on the sideline for a number of plays. Like it was just. Yeah, it was a disaster. Not only not scoring, but it was like the, the strategy and approach just wasn't getting the ball to the people that, that you that you want to have the ball. Yeah, and Dak certainly, like, I think that shoulder was a little bit affected. I mean, he had some, he overthrew some guys, but he also, he had a, there was a ton, ton of drops from guys who, like, yep. it, it was just, it was just a bad, it was like, are these, are either of these teams even good? So, all right. Um, look, this game is Dallas. They're at home. Their scenario is they need to win, and then they need uh, Philly to lose their game and get upset. And I think both of these games are at 4 o'clock. Yes, no, we are on the 4 p.m. game. So they're both playing in the afternoon time slot. So um, in this game with Dallas, Washington, Terry McLaurin is out. Landon Collins is already out. I kind of touched on this last week with Washington. I had the Giants as one of my power five picks. I was I was reading like one of their beat writers, and he talked about how their entire secondary might be uh, like all like new players that haven't started ever last week. Yeah. I I think we saw the Giants put like forty points on them, and uh, and then this week I was reading some of his tweets, and this is what I came away with. He said eleven active Redskin DBs. Six have signed since December 17th. Love it. That is incredible. So we're not talking like, hey, we're signing you for some death and stuff. No, we're signing you. You haven't been playing all year, and we're starting you in an NFL game. That's what this is. Love so um, I'm, I'm think, I think it just gets to the point of no return with some of these injuries, and there's just there's just nothing that can you, you can do. So um, I'm thinking Dallas minus 11 points. I'll, I'll let you respond. Uh, well, I'm not. I'm taking Washington plus 11, and I what you just said, I, I like it even more. Look, unlike <laughs> unlike the team above, Carolina, unlike 
Carolina, we just talked about, who's been playing terrible and lost seven straight. You know, Washington's actually, you know, played some decent football. In the last five games, they're two and three. Uh, they lost the Packers by five, the Eagles by 10, which we know was on the that fluke play at the end that got to 10. And then last week, played a competitive game against the Giants. So they're still interested. They're still playing some decent football, relatively speaking, for the, for the Redskins. And we talked about Dallas. Like they're a disaster. They're in a downspin. I, I and I actually would potentially throw a, a long shot money line on Washington this week. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I really do. Especially if like I would have isolate game, that one for sure. Yeah, yep. And I know the game <laughs> is going to be um, at the same time, so we'll see what happens in the other game as well. But anyway, all right. So. Uh, some ATS ones for you. Um, Washington is 11 and four against the spread uh, on the road for an okay. underdog. When, when an underdog of 10 or more points, okay. okay. 11. Dallas, three 21 and one in the last 25 home games uh, against the spread after a conference straight up loss, okay. which was last week they lost to Philly. So there you go. Washington plus 11. It's that simple. Okay. Uh, Can you even keep up with those ATS stats right now? Can you even keep up with there's so much fire? No. No. No, I I, 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 I kind of read in your other notes for the next game, and then you're like, what did he say? Yeah. I just, I was amazed that like people track this stuff and like actually think that means something. That's the best part. Like, oh, well, Well, you know, after a divisional loss, it's like you can just like start piling on. Eight, like okay, well, what is that? Then who was the divisional team they played? Were they a good team or were they a bad team? Like it's like it's 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 all no, like there's I, not I, there's I, not a lot of context. You no, know, there, there certainly isn't. But I, I think if there's coaches and quarterbacks and and trends that have been there for a while, um, I, know, like I, I think I, there's something to it. Like the Browns have sucked for a while. There's something there. The Patriots are really good for a while. There's something there. Some of these in between ones, you got to be careful with with how you use these numbers. Yeah. Um, but I mean, their angles—they've happened. It's history. It's statistics. And no, right? it's it, it's fair. Sometimes there's not some. It lacks a little bit of context. I do like. Agreed. I, I do like. I said I do like the divisional matchups that have the history of like. There's been this quarterback and this quarterback in the same division for ten years. It's like okay, you know, that I can take something away from that because when I see like okay the. You know the Panthers have beat Miami for sixteen years. Yeah, I know because guess what? The Panthers have been the Patriots for twenty years, and Miami's pretty much been terrible. So it's not like it's not that surprising. Um, but I, sure. it's, it's just kind of, you know, it, whatever. It's it's well, it, yeah, 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 I wanna, yeah. I want to I want to steal the intro for the next game. So the next game, please do is is Oakland at Denver. Uh, Denver's laying three and a half points. I want to first congratulate you. I'm getting your Raiders to seven wins, like you said er, very, very early on. Uh, so congratulations for that. Now, Thanks. my question Thanks. for you is, do you yeah. have them getting to eight and eight this week? And they are still very much alive in the playoff race. Uh, that's if they get losses from Tennessee and Pittsburgh and the Colts beat the Jags. So I'm not completely unrealistic here so what are your thoughts on getting to seven and then this week getting a win and getting the playoffs well so i it's tough because denver you know 
according to multiple sources, Denver is the best six and nine team in NFL history. No one ever stops talking about this team and how 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 much they people talk about this team like they they I better be reading articles about them being Super Bowl contenders next year because it is unbelievable how much people talk about this how good this six and nine Denver team is. Anyway, I just want to get that on my chest. It's so obnoxious, but um, so look, yeah, they're gonna get their eighth win this week, um, and uh, I think. I think the thing that probably takes the, – the one thing I think is the quagmire for them is Titans have to lose. Um, we're going to get to this game, but I'm – right now I'm speculating that I don't think the Texans are going to play anybody. So um, I, I, I see that kind of being – We'll get to it. That's not what they said. We'll, we'll get to it. Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll get to it. But anyway, so all right. Um, yeah, look, they're my Raiders. Uh, they, they did their job. I, and by the way, this is part of the open too. Uh, oh, about, good. About, about, about my Raiders and um, I said what I have to say this Denver team is just annoying to me um, and how everyone kind of props them up as this awesome 6-9 and nine team and uh, yeah I'm taking the 3.5 points don't tell me these teams are like somehow drastically far apart I'll take 3.5 points in this matchup sure alright well I'm with you uh, <laughs> you're on I, you know what the bad part is, though? I don't have any fancy ATS stats because I couldn't really find any that um, supported the narrative. So, <laughs> so I just, uh, I'm just, I'm just on for you, and I think they're going to get to eight and eight. We'll get to these games later. I actually think Pittsburgh is going to be the, the trouble for for Oakland uh, getting the playoffs. But we'll we'll get there a little later on. But congrats on seven. Uh, I'm with you on Oak plus three point five this week, and I, and I hope they get it done. And, I think it'd be pretty cool if they backed toward the win in the playoffs. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate it. Um, you know, I've been, it's been, it's been a, you know, a lot, of, a lot, a lot of people I need to thank. I'll thank them off the uh, pod, but um, it's been a big win for me. So uh, let's get to the the next game in the afternoon. It is the Lambs, who played really nice last week. Uh, they're at home in their final game at the Coliseum before they move into wherever they're going, and uh, they're minus. Four and a half. They're eight and seven to the Arizona Cardinals, who are five, nine, and one. Kyler Murray, as of right now, is a game time decision. Okay. I was going to ask you about that because I haven't got a lot of clarity on that. Um, I do have a question for you. Maybe you know the answer to this. Maybe you don't. I was surprised um, when I looked at it today. What do you think the Lambs are against the spread this year? Against the spread? Yeah. I would. I would imagine they're. Maybe a 500, maybe slightly above? Yeah, uh, 10 and 5. Which, oh, is, that's, which is surprising to me for how how poor their season has been, right? You know, uh, I bring this up. Arizona's 9, 5, and 1 against the spread, right? Uh, that's fine. They're usually getting a lot of points, and they're not really good, so they can cover and not win a lot of games, right? That yeah, happens. sure. Uh, typically, when a team that's supposed to be good is 10 and 5 against the spread, but their record usually ends up being pretty good. Um, so I, I just thought that was that was a little interesting. I would have expected that to have been closer to 500 than um, than let's say 10 and five. Doesn't really weigh into my picture. I just found it, I found it pretty curious. Um, anyway, okay. So Kyler Murray being uh, a game time decision here. Um, you know, it's only four and a half right now. Um, and this, there was some. I would say there was a lot of boards that like this was it was awful lot of boards. So I, I think people are 
don't know what to do, but the, the, the line we're using is four and a half. Okay, so let's, uh, I'm going to take the Rams minus four and a half. Okay. Because um, let's, I mean, it's just good, it's good value to do right now if you can get it, because right if Kyle, Kyle Murray doesn't play, then you're going to be locked in, you're in a good spot. So um, that's the only reason I'm doing it. If it was Kyle Murray not playing, I think it'd probably be between seven and eight, I think is what I read, and that may change it, but for now, um, I'm going Rams. Okay, yeah, um, I, and I'm I I'm anticipating he will play. Uh, he has practiced at least on like a limited basis, so I think he's I think he will play. He's a super competitive guy. Um, you could tell when he got it pulled out of last week's game, he was pissed. So um, I think he'll play. I am going to go Zona. I also want to mention that uh, Chandler Jones, who's the uh, NFL sack leader with 19, he is. Uh, trying to go for the record of 22 and a half that was michael strahan's and uh he's also trying to beat last year's sack champ that was uh aaron donald i think he had 20 and a half so he was talking about it a lot uh this week and asked about it and uh well let's just say i think jared goff is a statue and he might have a good shot at it so um i am going zona plus four and a half and kind of like you talked about i i mean again this is a this is a big psychological thing yeah, or the Rams, right? Like Arizona coming off a nice win. They've been playing uh, pretty well the last couple of weeks, and they're kind of building still. And then the Rams are just kind of in this in this spot where you know you think they're going to keep it together, but I don't know. You know, it, they're saying everything positive publicly, but you know who knows what the majority of those guys in that locker room are really thinking right now. So uh, they're eight and seven for a reason. So I'm going to go Zona plus the four and a half. Let's go to uh, a very intriguing, I think, afternoon game. Like we talked about, uh, speaking of like the Cowboys scenario, it is the Eagles traveling to uh, MetLife to take on the Giants. Philly is eight and seven. They win and they're in hosting a playoff game. The Giants are four and eleven. Philly's minus four points. Today they just announced that Zach Ertz is out for this game, and I'll just mention that I, I think that cannot be uh overstated enough he's been getting yeah. over he's been getting over 25 percent of wentz's targets um in the last four games without alshon jeffrey i mean that that's like michael thomas uh you know world there so that it was around like 27 percent of the team targets. so uh i think that's a huge loss and um, absolutely i think the, the g-men are kind of at full strength now and i think we talked about you know when we uh, had the Dallas discussion like are any of these teams even good I, I don't know and then, I don't know that necessarily even watching the game last week against Philly a lot of people this week going coming out going oh this this you know Carson Wentz with a amazing performance and all that stuff and it was wasn't bad it was just like I don't I know they're down a lot of guys and, and it's all on him and he played well uh, but um, I don't know they just they, well, hey they just played three weeks ago <laughs> and they played in Philly and they played yeah. against Eli, or sorry, and they, they played against Eli Manning, and the game went to overtime. So like, you right. know, people, people, the public is hitting hitting uh, Philly hard as if this is a gimme. Um, I, I am not there. Um, you know, this this line opened at five. Uh, I think, like I said, seventy five percent of the bets are on the Eagles. Um, it is down to four, so there's some some uh, reverse line trending there from the sharps, the big money. Uh, making that line move the other way, uh, but you know, like you're alluding to, Giants are full strength. Uh, you know, Danny Dyer, as much as I, I like to see Eli play, it's a fun narrative. 
Giants is mobile. You can do some different things. But I I think Giants play spoiler here, and they keep uh, Philly from locking this thing up. Philly will need uh, Dallas to to lose to Washington to keep their playoff hopes alive. So you, you're calling Giants money line? I go Giants money line. Yeah. Okay. I I think. I don't know if I'm going to go win, but I'm on the Giants with the four points. Um, and I think that this is going to be just amazing to watch as far as the afternoon games, how this is going along through the, you know, into the second quarter. Like, where are these games at right now? Because especially, especially from the Philly side, right? Because like you mentioned, everyone just assumes now, oh, they need to win. Hey, they've needed to win for a month. And they've lost to games like to Miami. So... Um, so yeah, yeah, and so on the other side of that is like, oh, do the Giants, you know, mail it in? No, the Giants haven't mailed it in, right? They played Philly competitively. They just beat the Dolphins. They just beat the Redskins. They're trying to build with those pieces on the field. So there's this isn't like a again going back to that Carolina narrative where they lost seven straight. It's, it's a very different environment, uh, right? Than that than a team like that. So it's definitely not a layup like people are talking about. Okay, yeah. So we're both on the points here. Um, Speaking of a different environment, <laughs> teams in different uh, directions, we have uh, the next game is Indianapolis at Jacksonville. Uh, Indy's 7-8. and eight. They just put a beat down on Carolina. Jacksonville is at 5-10. and 10. They're in disarray. Uh, Indy's minus 3.5. What am I supposed to say about this game? I tried to have something, and I, I can't. So I'll just I, I you can go ahead. I'm taking Jacksonville with three and a half points. Ooh, really? Okay. I thought if you didn't have anything, you'd at least go the other way. I mean, Indy's been a little more positive um, as of late. It hasn't been good, but a little more positive. I mean, Jacksonville lost six or seven um, with all of the losses coming by double digits. It has not been good for them. Um, I'm on Indy. I'll give you a few Q ATS ones here. Um, some of your favorites uh, over the last 10 years <laughs> and it is 20 against the spread on the road against a lesser passer defense yielding uh sorry against a pass defense yielding less than 6.7 yards per you can per barely even say them they're so <laughs> ridiculous i can't i can't uh, and i see i even said that one wrong <laughs> anyway jackson's giving up 7.4 yards uh <laughs> Per pass attempt, and that goes well for Indianapolis. They are 25 and 10 when teams give up 6.5, 6.75 or more. Um, oh my god! So anyway, that was more that was more of a joke. But I, I'm, I, I think I think they've been a little a little better. Um, sure. And Jackson has just been so bad. So like you said, what what, what can we say? Yeah, there's, yeah, just uh, please. All right, let's go. Uh, this next game at least has some sort of uh, intrigue and stuff on the line. So it's. Uh, Pittsburgh at Baltimore. Baltimore's locked everything up. They are resting um, a lot of guys. I don't think you're going to see multiple starters. And uh, Pittsburgh's eight and seven. They need to win, and I believe need a Tennessee loss to get in the playoffs. Um, Pittsburgh is minus two. Is that scenario? Do I have that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. I thought I thought so. So um, they're minus two. Uh, it's uh, my, my question to you is um, Duck or Bob Griffin? <laughs> well, we're going to find out. Uh, but right now, I think it's probably, it's probably Bob Griffin. 
<laughs> yeah, I think right. it probably is. Uh, I think it, is, I mean, that's tough, tough, tough weeks there for for Duck. Yeah, no, it's it's. I think it is uh, Bob but, Griffin, but it's not necessarily just Bob. So, quarterback wise, yes, Bob. Um, right, right. You know, look at look at this game holistically. Uh, I have a, a different view, right? It is going to be. Uh, it should be a game where it's first team against you know, second team most of the game. Uh, right at most positions. Um, give me that scenario. I'm taking the first teamers the NFL. I'm I'm on pit here minus two. I don't need to say much more than that. I agree. Um, I think I think this formula. It, you know, we we know Duck is not good, but I think the formula with him and kind of being a game manager, it's work. It was working against the lesser weaker teams. Baltimore, when they're playing their second unit, isn't Baltimore anymore. They're, they're a second-string second NFL team. So for that reason, I agree. Um, I am going to go uh, duck minus the two points. I mean, that being said, I wouldn't surprise me the least bit if there was another four picks and another disaster out there. So I, I, if they lost this game like 13-10, I wouldn't be shocked. But, um, yeah, I think I think Robert Griffin also probably going to have – or Bob is also probably going to have his hands full with, um, you know – Pittsburgh's defense still an, an elite top five defense. So, right. uh, you know, I'm going to go pit minus two here. Let's get on to the next game. And I think we have a line change, Doctor. Um, it's it's Tennessee and Houston. Earlier on in the day, I think the line I sent you was three and a half. And then as I was reading some things um, about this game and around if, you know, Deshaun Watson, maybe DeAndre Hopkins were – not going to play that seemed to be some of the speculation i checked back later on this is now five and a half across the board wow. so so that that is we're working off of five and a half tennessee's at eight and seven now houston's at ten and five the speculations that houston doesn't really need this game for anything um i think they maybe if casey were to lose um which they'll know i mean i think that's why this is the speculation if Casey were to lose somehow to the Chargers, then I think Houston could gain some sort of advantage because they have a tiebreaker with KC, and that would put KC at five losses if they lost. So, um, but they'll know that going into this game. And I, I, my personal feeling, and just kind of reading around what they're doing today, is that if Casey's going to win, I think I don't think you're going to see Watson, Dehap. I don't think you're going to see a lot of guys. So I think that's why the line has jumped a couple points. Um, for that reason, I can talk about their stuff, but uh, Tannenhill or AJ McCarron? No, uh, uh, I'm taking Tennessee minus five and a half. I'll kind of let you go. Yeah, I'm with you. It's it's similar to the discussion we just had above. Um, you know, I think the line change is a clear line drawn the sand that what you said those guys aren't going to play. I think at three and a half, it was still. Um, a lot Tennessee. of unknowns, and so yeah, I think I think there was still some no, I think there was some value uh, in Houston at plus three point five because there was still a chance that those guys were going to play more than than you thought. Right? right. So you you might now I know they're not going to play. So I'm yep. going to take I'm going to take the similar approach to what what I said above and just take the first stringers versus second stringers. And it's Tennessee. Let's be honest. Look, Tennessee's been pretty good. Uh, this isn't like a uh, oh great a Tennessee team. They've been great. They're getting Derrick Henry back. Um, although they lost in New Orleans last week, you know, they controlled the first half of that game. Which they did good. So they didn't, they didn't play bad, right? 
And so, yeah, I think it's a uh, you know, first team or second team here. You take Tennessee minus five and a half. Yeah, I'm doing the same thing. So uh, let's get to the last game. It is the last regular season game. There's no Monday night game. We just have SNF. And uh, it's a great one. Yep. I say the best for last. It's uh, for the NFC West. And if San Francisco were to win, they actually uh, would get home field throughout in the NFC. Pretty pretty impressive there. So it is San Fran, SEL. San Fran is minus three and a half. It looks like beast mode is back. Um, uh, what do you think about this Sunday night there, Doctor? Well, look, I, I've, I've said it uh, the past couple weeks. I think uh, San Francisco has, has shown some vulnerability. Although they won against the Lambs last week, I I don't think they looked great. Um, you know, you've been down on that Lambs team all year. Um, yep. You know, they took them right up against it, so I, I, they didn't really prove to me anything different. The last month has been tough for them. Certainly, Seattle did not have a good week last week. Um, but one thing I know about Seattle is we've talked about it a number of times. Kings of Prime Time. King, King of Late Night. That's right. That's right. They're the boys. So you give me an opportunity to take those guys with some points at the Rainforest. I'm all in, man. Give me Seattle plus three and a half. All right. Uh, by the way, uh, fight on. Touchdown Trojans. Okay. Um, so I. You kind of talked about something I want, wanted to mention, too, is I think regardless of this win, I think heading into the playoffs that what was a really competitive advantage for San Francisco early on was their defensive line and their their defense, right? And that was really dominating teams. And they had another D lineman go on IR this week. And that was like, I think, maybe three or four in the last four weeks or something like that. And, and the, the real strength of that defense was built on the quality depth of the D-line. And they were rotating, you know, seven, eight guys, constantly putting pressure with just the front, you know, four or five guys. So um, I think you saw it last week again, like you talked about. Um, it's not the same defense anymore, is it? And I think that's I think that's something to monitor heading into the playoffs where um, I still think they're all around. They're above average on, on all their uh, all phases of the game. But I don't know that that's the that dominant group that they had earlier on in the year. So, um, still think they're a Super Bowl contender, all that stuff. But uh, it's it's a little bit you start to see a little bit of flaw there. And it, again, let's look with those injuries. I talked about it's not as bad as the Washington secondary, like I talked about earlier. But sometimes with these injuries, it just gets to the point of no return, right? You, after a while, it's like, well, hey, if you're signing guys and you're starting them or they're playing like, you know, 35 snaps, that's not good. <laughs> it's just not, it's not what you plan for. So um, I have some, something to look at. Uh, I still think, you know, last time this Niners team played Seattle, it was, it was a great game, but offensively, San Francisco did not have their full arsenal. No Kittle, uh, What's his name? The receiver that they picked up in the trade. I can't can't think of his name right now. Anyway, Emmanuel he, Sanders. Correct. He got hurt on the first like couple series of the game. Didn't have the weapons. They were able to go after Jimmy G hard. I think at least this time he's going to have his full complement of offensive players. If he does get in trouble, someone like Kittle can bail him out and be a little bit more helpful in that regard. So. I, I've looked at the Niners all year. I'm going to continue to stay on them here. I'm taking the Niners 
minus three and a half, I think they wrap up uh, home field for the playoffs. Okay. And by the way, you weren't kidding. Slovis is carving. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's doing his thing. He's doing the, the, the Trojans fighting. Um, so yeah. So um, that is that's the regular season. That there it is. Week seventeen in the books. That brings us to the Power Five selections. This would be really interesting for this uh, week. And uh, I'll start it off. Okay. I'm gonna go the Jets plus one and a half. Pats minus sixteen. Dallas minus eleven. The Bengals plus three. And the Niners minus three and a half to you. All right. I'm going to ride with you on the Jets. Okay. Green Bay minus 12 and a half. Okay. New Orleans minus 13. Okay. The G-Men plus four. Wow. And Seattle plus three and a half. Wow. Just like that. Needs it. Needs it. Riding. Two just dogs to get over the 500 mark on Sunday, late afternoon and Sunday evening. Do you Wait, just want that? You want those kings of late night? You want PD chopping his gum, don't you? I don't hate PD. He's proving it. Can't go against it. And uh, Iowa returned the kickoff for a touchdown, I think. Yeah, uh, just anyway. more, more time more time for slow Mr. Carr. <laughs> uh, you know, speaking of bowl games, uh, our Spartans got their win. Would you like to mention anything about them and their bowl game <laughs> in the pinstripe bowl? <laughs> I mean, not really. Well, it was, kind of, like, it, was, it, was, it, was it was funny, right? I, I mean, it got down in the, the red zone a couple times late in the game, up six points where they could have basically put it away. Um, and they had a couple of these opportunities um, throughout the year in a number of different games that they lost and uh, you had a fumble and then you had a missed field goal from what, 25 yards? And it was uh, it was looking to set up um, like it was gonna be another letdown, but defense, defense got to stop, which they weren't able to do against teams like Arizona State and Illinois. And I think I'm missing one other in there. But anyway, that was the, that was the W. Um, nobody really cares. Uh, uh, it doesn't help <laughs> us at all. Nobody gives a shit. There's no trophy. I mean, there's a trophy, but nobody should really care about it. Happy for the guys to create some memories, but outside of that, that's about it. If you listen to the uh, telecast, they, oh, they thought they, they thought it really mattered. <laughs> oh, that's right. Is that what you wanted me to say when I sent that text? When I was like, <laughs> the announcers tell me one more time, like how live, how great of a game this is, and the environment is awesome. I'm gonna lose it because they said it so many times. You just knew it wasn't true. Like, stop saying it. If it was that true, this you'd is hear it and feel it. This is building momentum for next year. Um, all right, all right. Well. Uh, <laughs> All right, hey, that's it for the regular season. Um, we're certainly going to be back to do um, NFL and whatever remains of the college football playoff as moving forward. So um, until then, any, any parting shots? Just trying to get to 500. Let's hope it happens. And, uh, and we'll get a little gold green about the big bowl win. <laughs> All right, buddy, we'll see you next week. Yeah, so excited about that big pinstripe bowl win. Can't wait to see all the positive coverage about how, you know, it's a big stepping stone going into next year and they're building and all that nonsense, whatever. Uh, but enough about that. We, we don't, that 
We only talk about that. We have a fucking great weekend ahead. This is a great couple days. These are the days we've been waiting for all year long, the entire fall. We finally get these matchups in college that we've been waiting for all year to see who is the best of the best and also to see the NFL get set up for the playoffs and kind of the dirty secret and you know not just football but most sports we we all know who the best teams are going into the season for the most part there's a couple of you know maybe surprise teams that no one saw coming i think in the NFL perfect two examples San Francisco and the Ravens i think you could certainly project them and maybe make a case for them to say hey they could be a playoff team or be a threat, but no one was talking to either of these teams at 13-3 and three and having the number one overall seed. So um, outside of that, though, it's pretty much the usual suspects. So it's just a, it's a nice, exciting couple days to see this all get set up in the pro game, and then we get to see the national semis in the college game, especially with that Ohio State-Clemson game. Just set your DVRs. You know, that that's this is what we've been waiting for. So even with gambling or DFS, all that stuff aside, if you're a fan, this is just uh this is your time of year. So and I, I that's I am before anything, that's what I am. So um I'm excited. This is great. And a reminder, this is Swipe Right Sports. It is your sports pod hookup. I'm your host, Bobby Adcock. We'll be back next week. Have a very happy and safe New Year's.